they are a hot topic. And today we are learning about drones and we're going to learn everything that there is to know about industrial drones, drones in business. I'm Michael Craigsman. I am an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. And today on episode number, episode number 277 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with George Matthew, who is the CEO of Kespri which supplies industrial drones and a software platform around that. First, I want to say a heartfelt thanks to Livestream for supporting CXO Talk, low these, these many years. They supply our video streaming infrastructure, and they're great. And if you go to Livestream.com slash CXO Talk, in fact, they will give you a discount. And I would also like to say thank you to Laura Wong, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, from Cred PR, because she introduced me to, uh, to Kespri and to George Matthew, and uh, Laura's really great. So if you need PR, go to credpr.com. They're, they're fantastic. Without further ado, George Matthew, thank you for being here on CXO Talk. It's great to meet you. Hey, Michael. Great to meet you. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, George, tell us about Kespri and tell us about industrial drones and what you guys do. Sure. So Kespri is an aerial intelligence platform that's been really focused on industrial work, being able to take a drone and effectively autonomously deliver data and analytics that come off the drone into industrial work sites like construction locations, roofing, mining and aggregates, and now going into the energy sector. And uh, you have a, a, a complete platform that includes the, the drone and analytics. And just tell us briefly about that. Well, that was always the mindset for Casper from day one. We were founded in 2013 with the idea that there should be more autonomous capability in terms of drones being introduced into commercial work sites and not only deliver the data that comes off the drone, whether it be imagery and other sensor-based input, but to be able to process that in a meaningful way so that you can derive great analytical applications from the data coming off the drone and other sensors. What are the components of, of drones? What do we need to know? So, Michael, the way to think about drones at this point are that they're a new sensor network. They have the ability to very seamlessly be able to fly over industrial work sites into broader commercial use cases where you can easily collect data in an effective, reliable manner. And so drones can actually make that collection of information in a meaningful way easy, cheap, and safe in particularly these industrial locations that Caspery has been operating in for many years now. And thus, the drone becomes not only a method of data collection, but also just a way of being able to transmit all kinds of new sensory-based input into the way that analytics and models are built for a lot of industrial use cases. And what are those industrial use cases? Sure. So one of the first industrial use cases that we started with was measuring the volumetrics around a mining aggregates operation. In mining and aggregates, it turns out that you're digging things out of the ground. That's the primary product that you're managing inventory on. And to be able to understand how much material you have, you effectively have to be able to do volumetric analysis of how much material you've pulled out of the ground. The primary method of doing that previously was taking survey-grade equipment, whether that be precision laser-guided equipment or being able to take a 
GPS backpack and climb a stockpile and take 10, 15, 20 points of measurement and then go back to the home office and be able to measure what those volumes were. What's amazing about a drone now is you can fly over a work site, a mine site, or an aggregates location and be able to take imagery of all of the stockpiles and material and convert those into three-dimensional models. Those models are hyper-accurate because you're taking six, 700,000 points of measurement on a typical site and being able to get a level of accuracy on your inventory that was unprecedented. And that's where we started in the industrial use cases that we're serving today by being able to do better and accurate measurement in the mining space. And since then, we've expanded into topological models for construction work sites around Earthworks projects, where John Deere is now reselling Kespri drones. We've expanded into the insurance and roofing world, where we can do topological models of a roof and being able to assess the damage on a roof from weather events, and more recently expanded into the energy sector with our recent Series C investment. I want to remind everybody that right now there is a tweet chat taking place. Uh, Use the hashtag CXOTalk and you can ask any questions you have about drones and how they work. So, So, George, as I was preparing for this show, somebody said to me, well, we can get all of this information just from maps on mining sites. And so how is this different from what from what people were able to do historically? Well, historically, there's two changes that drones and other similar sensor-based technologies introducing into the market. In effect, if you're getting information from a map, it's ultimately two-dimensional in nature. What drones are now providing is a level and a view of dimensionality in the third dimension, being able to understand elevation, being able to understand topology, being able to understand the volumetrics related to material that might be dug out of the ground. And that capability of understanding the third dimension becomes quite relevant, particularly when you can do it in a super accurate way. So when we introduce precision GPS combined with a lot of the data processing that Casper delivers into the market today, what's incredible is we can create a topological analysis that's down to three centimeters of real space, X, Y, and Z. And so what you would have in terms of inaccurate two-dimensional maps in your mining site for years is now realized as a fully available three-dimensional topology of that entire landscape as it changes over time. And that's where we start to see the benefit of drones and additional sensor-based input really impacting this kind of industrial work. George, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about drones as a sensor-based technology when I think the layman, such as myself, uh, would think of it as uh, flying, essentially. Yeah. And so, so what are the sensors? So when you think about sensors... Sure. Yeah, no problem. So let me actually introduce um, our second generation Casper drone in that context. So when you look at what we've built in terms of Casper's second generation capabilities, no surprise, there's a visual sensor built right in where there's a high fidelity camera that can take imagery on a worksite itself. But alongside of that visual imagery that we can take, we have a one-dimensional forward-facing LIDAR. The LIDAR as a sensor can be used for collision avoidance, obstacle detection, as well as terrain mapping. 
And so we can see use cases where as the drone is autonomously flying on a work site, you can actually now have the imagery autonomously taken while you can understand if there's a obstacle on that work site and avoid it in real time. And that's possible because of sensor-based input. On the top you hear, here you see GPS. Precision GPS was introduced into the Kespri product about a year ago, and now we can fuse the data that comes off of additional sensors like the visual sensor, the gyrotometer, the accelerometer with the precision GPS so that you can get the topological analysis coordinated down to three centimeters of real space, X, Y, and Z. So this is why I indicate that the drone being a new sensor network can start to apply all of these insights in a combined fashion that you frankly couldn't actually do most seamlessly before technology like this was brought together into market. And uh, I'm assuming that this degree of both accuracy and the types of sensors, for example, uh, the LiDAR, is, are, are among the distinguishing features that are different from consumer drones. Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. When you think about the difference between industrial capabilities that Casper in, has introduced into the market for ruggedized work areas like a mining location or a construction location, you can potentially fly a consumer drone, but the challenge is that a consumer drone will have difficulty being able to be operated on a mine site that's 8,000 feet in altitude. It'll have difficulty in flying in 25 mile an hour winds. It has difficulty flying more than 15 minutes. Our drone today flies for almost 25, 30 minutes and covers 150 acres when it flies at about 150, 200 feet in the air. And so these qualities of industrialized work being accomplished with a drone needs a different type of product in the market than a consumer-grade drone that has typically been in market for quite a few years. And this is where Kaspery's focus has been in not only delivering that industrialized drone, but also the data processing, the applications that support the use cases that are necessary in the markets we serve. So you think of the, the drones as the, say, the, the, the data source, and then you take that data, you do various types of analytics on it so that it can then be used. Can you talk about the types of analytics that you use to, that you operate on that data? So one of the things that we primarily care about at Kespri is really integrating and owning the physical model of how a worksite and asset area is effectively understood from an analytical perspective. And one of the key things that has been a differentiating factor in the market in terms of automating this data collection and being able to generate analytics from it is a technique called photogrammetry, Michael. And what I mean by photogrammetry is that you can take the 2D images that are collected off of a drone, and if you have the right overlap available of imagery and the right angle that you've actually captured that imagery, you can convert those 2D images into fully realized three-dimensional models. And so when Kespri went into market and produced some of the first generation of industrial applications, we started with that idea that first and foremost, generate that 3D model, generate that what's known as a 3D working mosaic, and then layer in all the aggregations, calculations, machine learning algorithms, artificial intelligence directly on top of the three-dimensional model. And so 
we see this as a very natural progression of how industrial work continues to get accomplished because you just have better decision making that's available because the physical model is now most easily exposed with a level of unprecedented data and analytics that support that physical model to make better decisions within the organizations we serve. George, there there are so many different technologies that are involved in this chain. Can you summarize for us the kind of um, skills and capabilities that that you have on your team, the different uh, domain areas of domain expertise that are necessary? This is an amazing part of my experience, particularly being at Casper for a year and change now. I come from a pretty significant software analytics background, and that's what I've been doing for quite a few years. And coming to Caspery and learning more about what the hardware systems look like, the robotics, the control systems, the IMUs, the mechanical engineering that we have entailed, uh, the flight control systems that are in place to be able to generate an integrated product like this, it's an amazing learning curve. And particularly when you add the factor that Caspery is now manufacturing our drones in the United States, we now have a manufacturing facility that is producing the drones that we introduce into the market. So it's been uh, an incredible personal experience for me and just learning and being able to understand how converged systems like this can be applied in the industrial world. And for the team, it is a very cross-disciplinary team that works on producing the best product for this kind of industrial work. And so we're really proud of what we've done here with 100 people at Caspery to date that continues to grow and scale as we speak. It's a small group of people uh, producing this type of technology with all of the different components. So how are you organized? How do you, how do you organize the company? What kind of, what are the teams, the composition of the teams? Yeah. So when you think about the organization of our product itself, a lot of our product first and foremost starts with engineering that's effectively coupled with um, hardware and software engineering. And within the context of even software engineering, we really break down that software engineering by systems and control specialists as well platform and data specialists and an organization that, of course, delivers the Casper Cloud for a web application experience for the end consumption of the data that we're delivering. And so these disciplines are effectively interacting with each other with the help of a product management organization that really supports the timing, the release of an integrated converged solution into market as we bring uh, the needs forward for our customers by industries that we serve. When we have a integrated solution that goes to market that we happen to manufacture uh, the drone itself, that is really important that we have manufacturing very close to the work where the engineering function continues to iterate as we go through multiple releases of hardware control systems and software. And so the beauty of where Casper's location is in Menlo Park, we happen to have our manufacturing facility right across the parking lot. And so literally our hardware and software teams can go over and influence the design specification and the production of how we manufacture at any point in time. So when we want to introduce another capability set to the current hardware platform, it's much more seamless for us to be able to do that. As we bring the product into market, the other pieces of the organization are what you typically find in most companies that are focused on delivering technology to typical markets like the ones we serve. So there's, of course, a great marketing team. We started to build out a sales and business development organization. We have a customer success team that really manages our customer success and renewal of a subscription-based offering that we're delivering into the market. And of course, 
finance and operations and our HR and talent team continues to support the entire uh, function of really being able to build out and scale. So yes, it's a hundred person organization, but we're tightly focused in terms of delivering an integrated set of capabilities to our customers. And so far, customers have been incredibly delighted by what they've received into the market so that we serve. We have a couple of questions from Twitter. Arsalan Khan asks, what about the, are there pr- privacy concerns if your customers are operating the drones near residential areas or they decide to start flying these, these drones with such precision equipment, uh, precision sensors in residential areas away from, from their industrial sites? Or are there privacy concerns? Yeah, so, so the beauty of the introduction of some of this precision capability in terms of even flight control that we've introduced into the market is that even when we fly over a residential location, we can actually construct a flight plan that only flies over the areas that we have full permission to fly over. So when both the superstorms hit, between Harvey and Irma, we had our drones as some of the first drones that were responsible for the recovery effort, particularly when it came to claims adjudication around just you know damage that's occurred within the area, uh, particularly wind damage and other weather-related damage. And so we were literally flying um, or enabling our PNC, our, our property and casualty insurance carriers, as customers. They were flying in this region with catastrophic response teams where they could actually articulate a flight plan that only flew over properties that were under coverage by that carrier and had the explicit permission to fly over it because of the way that precision technology can orchestrate the geofence and the flight area that you would collect the information from. So I believe that we have the technology at this point to be able to securely, safely, and with a level of privacy deliver this kind of analytics into the market for the industrial use cases that we really serve. And really, it's about making sure that, you know, the person that's on the ground making this decision is, of course, responsible for, you know, operating within the guidelines of, you know, what is both safe, secure, and private in nature. But the technology is fully there to support that to occur today. And uh, you, you must, uh, you, obviously, you're, you're thinking a lot about, uh the various types of regulations and and what are the restrictions that uh, regulations impose upon you or or how do you think about these these regulations or guidelines? Right. So for commercial drone operation in the United States, there was a watershed moment in August of 2016 where the Part 107 regulations were brought forward by the FAA. And the context around Part 107 was it had three pieces of the overall framework. One is that commercial drones have to be operated below 400 feet of airspace. Two, that drones that are commercially in operation have to maintain a visual line of sight to an operator. And three, that any operator who would be working in the context of this regulation has to take the Part 107 pilot's exam, which is basically the equivalent of the written portion of a state driver's test. And so once you had that framework in place, what it really enabled the market to operate around is something that just enabled commercial work to be accomplished without wondering, hey, is it legal to do this? Do we have the right authority to do this in a proper manner? And so the good news is since the timeframe of August of 2016, 
commercial use cases, both for autonomous solutions like Kaspri's or just pilots that are manually flying drones for commercial work have blossomed tremendously because now we have a framework to be able to operate within the airspace in the United States. So with these uh, government regulations allowing uh, drone u- commercial drone use cases, it's really opened up the opportunities for investment. And, um, and it, to what extent did that spur investment and growth of uh, Kespri? Yeah. So to, to put it in perspective, we saw uh, in that period of time, our uh, revenue more than triple because we, of course, had a view of that regulatory framework really supporting the commercial operation of Kespri being scaled out in some of these key industrial use cases that we've been building up even before the uh, Part 107 um, you know, regulation was effectively passed. And so it's been great for us. If you look at where Kespri's growth trajectory has gone since that time frame, it's been completely up and to the right because um, there is now a framework to operate and we were able to expand beyond our mining aggregates use case going into the insurance and roofing sector. We, you know, in that time frame also signed an exclusive relationship with John Deere to effectively bring Casper drones into the market around Earthworks construction projects within their dealer network. And uh, most recently with the funding announcement with Series C with Shell and other industrial technology focused providers being interested in what Casper is delivering, there's a natural entree into the energy sector. So I cannot be more delighted with the fact that there was a clear framework to be able to operate commercially within the United States. It's opened up an opportunity for Casper and many, many other companies in the commercial drone space. Tell us more about John Deere, because that sounds to me like they're looking at their their core business model of not of supplying equipment and saying, okay, how do we how do we surround ourselves with an ecosystem that adds higher, greater value to the equipment to the hardware itself? So when you think about John Deere's future, they're really considering what the future of that worksite is. The worksite being where the construction effectively occurs and John Deere's heavy equipment is brought into the worksite. If you look at the advancements that have occurred on the worksite, there's a lot more telematic data that's now being used to make decisions on how you would, for instance, conduct an earthworks project where leveling and grading and getting the topology analysis around the leveling and grading needs to be hyper accurate. A few years ago, John Deere introduced a number of grade control solutions in the market where literally you can bring GPS coordinates and send that to your smart dozer so that as the dozer's uh, blade is hitting the earth, you can articulate the angle of the blade based on the GPS coordinates that you've been able to send it. And so the ability to now introduce highly precise topological models, as I mentioned earlier with the use of Caspri drones, was such a natural complement to the smart grade equipment that John Deere was introducing into the market. And really, that's where the dealers within John Deere's network, as well as John Deere corporate, became very interested in not only drones, but the ability to have a drone that delivered a highly accurate topological model that could then be applied to where their smart grade equipment was being deployed into market. And really, that's where the relationship started this time last year. We introduced it um, 
exactly a year ago, and we've now seen the expansion of our technology and product being in the channel of John Deere's dealer network for a good portion of this past year. And so far, the uptake has been amazing. Are you actually integrating with their equipment? Or is it? Or how does that work? Yeah. So the first phase of the work was to be able to bring the solution together side by side, where Casper would be sold into the market alongside of the heavy equipment and the data that was generated from Casper could be leveraged by the smart uh, dozer and additional equipment that was you know able to receive this kind of telematic geospatial GPS based coordinated information. The long-term vision is that the data can be automated in terms of how information can flow directly from the Kesbury drone onto the heavy equipment. So that's project work that we'll be taking on with John Deere in the not too distant future. But we're in a good place on phase one and just introducing the core technology and the product into the same market that needs this kind of insight occurring day-to-day on a construction work site to complement the smart equipment that John Deere has already introduced into the market for several years. I'm always interested in how new technologies like the drones can uh, impact and disrupt and make more efficient and bring innovation to established industries. And so I think it'd be interesting to hear more about the use cases that you're applying to the applying the drones to with and and describe how it's changing or enabling uh, new business models sure so we've always looked at this as an opportunity to change the future of industrial work and that is a lot of where Kasper's vision continues to stand differentiated in the market when we've looked at the opportunity to change industrial work you're absolutely right, Michael, that there are key processes that have been in place as far as the use cases that we serve today that have been done a certain way for many, many, many years. And so we look at this as a way to say, can we improve those processes or can we completely disrupt those processes so that there's just a better way that the new status quo can emerge with the viability of drones and additional sensor-based input that just wasn't possible before. And so in the example I had mentioned earlier in the mining aggregate space, we went from topological models that were 20, 30, 40 points of survey grade um, equipment basically collecting uh, manually to six, seven hundred thousands of points of measurement that were effectively decimated from a point cloud that was generated through a three-dimensional orca mosaic that Kespri was delivering through an autonomous flight plan. And so the ability to do that kind of measurement that accurately with a level of safety and the timing that was involved in it was a complete step function change in the mining aggregate space. And we look at those opportunities similarly as we've gone into construction where I mentioned the use of topological models being highly accurate within three centimeters real space to do better earthworks uh, projects. In the insurance sector, what was really fascinating to see was that the primary mechanism to be able to measure what the amount of damage would be from a weather standpoint on a roof and then be able to make the consideration of whether you would effectively replace part or, or the entirety of that roof was mainly done through manually climbing the roof, taking a 10 by 10 measurement of a portion of the roof and counting the amount of damage manually inside of that 10 by 10 
in a square and then extrapolating what the rest of the roof would look like as far as the level and extent of damage. And so that was perfectly fine for, you know, being able to get that first generation of, you know, of claims process in place. If a drone can fly overhead and generate the entire roof model, the entire dimensional model related to how much material there is on a roof and detect all the necessary damage to say that this portion versus that portion of the roof needs replacement, you can actually have a more accurate view of the decision you make of whether it's a total or partial roof replacement. And we see that happening today, not only in the level of accuracy in terms of that data collection, the decision that's made around it, but the timing, because previously it would take you know, a day to be get up on a roof and check out the, the damage on a roof, get off the roof and, you know, take a few days to process that claim. Well, what if you could actually manage that entirely as a touchless claim within a drone flying of five minutes directly on a roof and then processing that data immediately and then giving the uh, adjudicator, the adjuster that's on the ground, the information so that the customer can have their claim process right then and there. That's a fundamental game-changing experience in the insurance sector when that is what you know, you can see with the introduction of a drone versus, you know, doing it the way the status quo in that market was. So every time we go into these markets, we look for these opportunities to either disrupt the status quo or just simply make it better because the drone can assist the human in terms of the work that's being accomplished. What about adoption? Uh, and we have a comment from, Ars again, from Arsalan Khan on Twitter who just, uh, he must be reading my mind because I was going to ask the, the same thing, which is how do you convince potential customers in these industries that are not very tech savvy and use lots of manual labor to accomplish these tasks? How do you convince them to adopt this new super sophisticated thing? So when you look at the industries that we are in, you know, heavier industries where you would think that the technology around these industries isn't as savvy. What we're seeing is a generational shift in the core industries that we're serving today, where technology is becoming more and more prevalent. And frankly, technology has been in these markets, right? So let's go back to the mining space for a moment, right? In the 1950s, there were solutions around survey-grade equipment that were using products like the Autolite. And that was in market to just be able to enable a surveyor to do his or her work faster. You flash forward into the 80s and 90s, and you see the introduction of GPS-based solutions being introduced. You push forward into the early 2000s, and now you have precision laser-guided equipment for survey-grade assessment. So in that market, the introduction of a drone is just a natural extension of the progression of technology that's occurred for the last four to five decades. And I think we see that over and over again in these industrial markets. As much as we would like to believe that these markets are not as technologically forward as we would assume, they actually have had technology for quite a while. And it's more a question of when these leaps occur in this space, are you ready to provide the right technology and the right solution to serve the market as it progresses forward? So, so drone technology in this case is a kind of uh, natural progression exactly in the way that, say, GP, GPS, you could almost say uh, inevitable progression. 
Well, that's where we believe the market will continue to evolve for the next decade, right? Drones are part of industrial work. It's um, the early innings as we're seeing these use cases emerge um, as we speak. But we think that this is just the way that work is going to continuously be accomplished for the foreseeable future. And in my view, it's just a natural progression of how technology has evolved for easily the last four to five decades in particularly these industrial markets. Well, you brought up uh, the evolution of technology. Where is drone technology going? Both both industrial, uh, let, me, let me put it this way, uh, drone technology in general, along with uh, the sensors attached to the drones, and then more specifically in the industrial market that you serve. So I think where the market has been historically is that you've taken sensors, you've flown over work sites, you've flown over commercial locations, and you've figured out how to manually get insights out of that information. And I think that that's where the market will effectively need to have better automation, better data processing, better capabilities to be able to get those insights off of the sensors and make automated sense out of them using machine learning, using artificial intelligence, applying it as an application and a full complete experience and deliver a more complete offering into the market than someone just manually flying a drone into a worksite. And this is where Casper has been really focused, right? We've never built a solution that even has a joystick, right? It's effectively built with an autonomous capability where you punch in the coordinate that you would want to fly by casting a geofence and then being able to, with your fingers, draw out the area that you would want to fly on an iPad, hit the start button, and the drone autonomously takes off and does the work that it needs to do. So we see this as a natural automation and and set of applications that support the data that's coming off the drone versus someone manually flying, uh, which has been historically what the drone market has looked like. And it's not that the two are in violent conflict with each other. There's perfectly adequate needs to be able to manually fly for like a good example. It's like if you want to do a bridge inspection, that's probably best suited by a pilot manually flying a drone to be able to collect that insight. But if you wanted to look at you know the shipping containers that might come to a uh, port. If you want to look at the dimensional analysis of a roof, if you want to look at how much uh, you know the solar potential of an entire solar farm is operating at efficiency, like those things can be more naturally automated without having to manually intervene with pilots flying drones. And this is where Casper sees a very viable future for an autonomous solution like we've delivered into the market. So you're not uh, you're not out there supporting people taking joy rides and taking photographs of uh, the beach. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of people that do great work there, and we really fully support that amazing work that's been done uh, for taking joy rides. Uh, you know, flying along the beach, taking wedding photography. Yeah, as you can see, there's plenty of consumer and prosumer uses of drones, and we love all those use cases. And many of us are our own sort of personal hobbyists in terms of use of drones for these cases. But at work, we're focused on the nature of industrial work being improved by the use of technology that we're delivering into market. And it sounds like uh, your future is not just the hardware, but 
equally or almost equally as much the kind of analytics uh, and data analysis, whether it's a graphical data analysis or other types of, of analysis on the software side to enhance that data and make it actually useful for the industrial customers who are purchasing. I think that's the only way it becomes a complete solution in the market, Michael, because if you're just generating the sensor-based input and not driving the insights, not automating the machine learning algorithms, not being able to package that up as a complete software-based application experience to users that are then consuming that content, whether that be operators on the ground or decision makers in the front office, you're not delivering the value that really can be enabled for this kind of industrial work um, to be fully realized, right? You're just providing a partial or a small sliver of the overall solution um, to market. And this is where for every use case, Casperia has gone super deep on the use case versus trying to go broad against all of the possibilities where drones can be used today. So it's not just a matter of collecting the data, although obviously that's a crucial foundation, but it's how are you operating on that data, which means then that, again, going back to the skills composition of your workforce, you must have hardware people uh, and then subsets of hardware people. I don't want to, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth uh, for the various subsystems. And then you've got to have software people, uh, data people, right? I mean, I'm assuming again, going back to that workforce composition question. Yeah, so so, so think about it this way. We've flown over 40,000 missions for our customers or customers have flown 40,000 missions more precisely using Casper's end-to-end solution for the last three years. And each one of those missions is generating gigabytes of data. All of that data is being fully automated and processed in our Casper cloud that then is exposing the analytical models, the applications that are supported by those analytical models to users in the markets that we're in. And so, yes, it absolutely takes a village of uh, cross-functional capabilities, both on hardware and software and data processing and cloud infrastructure to be able to deliver the end-to-end experience that we do today. And that's what makes the mission as incredible as it is. Like we're an ambitious company going after a trillion dollar market opportunity in terms of the digitization of industrial work. And we see a lion's share of it being able to be descriptive of creating a physical model and using sensor-based input to do it. And the more we can go deeper into these use cases, we can capture more of that value in the next decade. To what extent are you system integrators taking off-the-shelf components, bringing them together into a, a solution, as opposed to developing your own technology for each of those source components, the many source components? On the, on the hardware side, we've become very strong at the sensor fusion, the componentry, and the systems integration around that to package this up properly for just a foolproof way, a easy way uh, to be able to deploy this technology into the market, right? So you don't have to have massive expertise in terms of being able to fly and operate. Um, you do, of course, have to part, pass the part, part 107 license, but you still don't have to be an expert in manually flying a drone to be able to collect this information in a meaningful way. Now, that area, we've actually done quite a bit of what is the systems integration. As we've now 
built a lot of these applications for claims management in the insurance sector, for inventory management in the mining aggregate space, for earthworks topological analysis and construction, and then going into some of the asset management scenarios and energy. What we're now seeing is that data also needs to flow into other internal systems in the enterprises that we serve. And so we don't wake up every morning, and I don't think we're necessarily the folks that are doing the integration from Casper's cloud directly into the um, you know, endpoints that the enterprise systems serve today. We're exposing programmatic APIs, REST JSON-based services, so that you can do that integration or a systems integrator can do that integration. But that's because we believe that there's a strong ecosystem that'll benefit from the fact that this kind of sensory-based input can be processed and applications and the data, the models, the analytics that are delivered in this infrastructure and platform can be brought into other systems more seamlessly. And that's where we think a broader set of friends and members in an ecosystem will continue to support Casper for the foreseeable future. And I guess clearly that is one of the distinguishing features of an industrial drone solution as opposed to a consumer one that's just, you know, obviously not aware of the enterprise systems. That's right, because because if you're if you're bringing a consumer drone in, you can potentially collect all that data, but then how do you process that? That's going to be manual, right? And how do you make the insights possible? Well, you're still going to be you know going through a bit of a, a kludgy, broken experience. And then how do you get that data into an application that's consumable or a set of APIs that can be exposed to downstream applications? All of that tends to be uh, laborious work that we help effectively pre-package and deliver to the customer base we serve. We have just a few minutes left, and there's another interesting question, this time from the at CXO Talk Twitter account, which is asking about uh, data security and privacy, uh, both the, the drone data that's collected as well as the customer data, because you're, you're collecting very, uh, very sensitive commercial and in some cases, I'm assuming very confidential commercial information. So we think about that privacy and security pretty significantly when we deploy our solution into market. And so look at those two endpoints. In our cloud infrastructure, we built a multi-tenant cloud infrastructure that has a fully cordoned off set of privileges and access points so that only customers within the context of that portion of our cloud, our multi-tenant sort of infrastructure, have access to the data that they have, of course, access to, and no one else um, can see nor have access to that information if they're not part of that tenant. In the case of the data collection, I had actually mentioned earlier that we've actually put a lot of capability into the products so that we can precisely collect information without breaking privacy. So even when we're flying over commercial rooftops, when we're climbing, we're, we're flying over industrial work sites, we're, we're flying over residential properties, we have to have explicit permission and we make sure that when we're working with other customers that that permission is in place and we only fly over the places that we're allowed to fly and we can set up the flight plan, we can set up the autonomy on the drone to just make that possible and seamless so that we're not collecting more information than that we should be frankly doing when we're actually on these work sites. So 
we've had that mindset from day one to be able to only collect the data that we're allowed to collect and to only expose the data that's um, securely delivered on a multi-tenant basis to our customers as they've you know, been able to scale out operations. So that continues to be the way that we operate. And so we've built a, a product and a, and a solution with that, that frame and that mindset from day one. And so as we continue to expand customers and industries, we'll continue to operate that way for the foreseeable future. Okay. And as we have, we have about a minute left. Uh, what advice do you have, George, for organizations that want to adopt drone technology? They're looking at this from the outside and they're thinking, hmm, this could be useful for us. What should they do? So I think uh, a really well-known science fiction author once said that the future is here. It's just unevenly distributed. Uh, William Gibson actually said that. And I take that to heart when you look at these opportunities. And if you are an individual, a leader, a decision maker, an analyst, an operator within the context of some of these industrial sectors that we happen to serve, what I will say is that the technology surrounding drones is absolutely here. It's not in the future. It's not something that's... Um, you know, a pie in the sky, that dream that people are assuming is going to come later. It's here now to be able to deliver industrial work in a meaningful way. And the more that you just start to learn, start to get yourself educated, start to understand what the possibilities are, and to pick people that really have been working in these markets to be able to deliver complete use cases to the you know needs that you have in your respective organizations, you will have an amazing experience being able to use drone technology for the future of the industrial work you're doing. George Matthews, CEO of Kespri, thank you very much for teaching us about drones today here on CXO Talk. Super fun. Thank you for having me, Michael. Everybody, you have been watching episode number 277 of CXO Talk. We've been speaking with George Matthew, who is the CEO of Kespri, which supplies industrial drones. Next Friday on CXO Talk, we're speaking with Aaron Levy, who is the CEO of Box. And I hope you'll come back and join us then. Thanks a lot, everybody. Oh, before I forget, please, please like us on Facebook and subscribe on YouTube and tell a friend. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.